donuts were invented in World War II. <laughs> I wasn't there, wasn't born during the time, but that's what I hear. Yes, they were invented during World War II to, to make sure our boys landing in Normandy had a safe, pillowy, soft landing. You'd just put them in a backpack and pull a string, and the donuts would ensure you glide into the ground with the greatest of ease. It was great. You'd see them parachuting all over the thing. But they weren't called parachutes. They were just called donuting. <laughs> yep. And then and, someone took, uh, put a hole in them and sold them into the shop. And that is, of course, how donuts were uh, made. Not these thick donuts. These thick donuts couldn't carry a GI safely to the beach <laughs> of the dorm. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to Pop Saga. This episode we are talking the seminal hit, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. This show is... <laughs> What's that? We are not talking that. Uh-oh. So I was confused again. Oh, we're talking Miss Marvel, the Disney Plus show. No, it's fine. I've watched it as well. Let's see. Well, we'll talk the series, what we liked, what we didn't like as much. Maybe we'll rank the MCU TV shows, but kind of unofficially. And, of course, we'll talk any random thing in between. I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by Forrest, Bengal enthusiast. <laughs> Bangle! T-Bangle, baby! Bangle, not bangle. Mmm. What? Yeah. <laughs> mm. no, oh, not like the... Not uh, the tiger, like the, the thing tiger. you wear around your wrist. You know, slap bracelet, yeah. you know, slap bangle. Slap bangle? <laughs> yeah, that's what I yeah. used to call him. Well, yeah. Back in the 90s, I had a great green fluorescent uh, slap bangle. You too, huh? Uh-huh. I, I I had well I mean I think the only color that existed during the '90s or early '90s was just fluorescent green. Yeah, I mean there was fluorescent yellow, of course, that highlighter color, and then fluorescent uh, magenta, and I think orange came in uh, a little while later. Uh, enough of colors for people to have their favorites. Yeah, well, see, maybe you were a little bit more progressive down where you grew up versus where oh, yeah. I did. It was, was only, just only green as far as the eye could see. If you wore any other ca- color, you were shunned. You were <laughs> kicked out of the the schoolyard. They were like, go back to the 80s, John. And I was like, I will, 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 will. Well, that makes sense. I grew up in a small town, so perhaps just those, like, the shunning of those other fluorescent colors just hadn't gotten to us yet. We were still living in the past. We were a bunch of Luddites. Exactly. We were saying, oh, I, I dare say, fluorescent uh, orange is still in vogue, yes? What's this? 
the news out of Paris. Oh no! I could, I could see it. It's just like all those championship T-shirts that for the teams who didn't win, mm-hmm. just they like, yeah. just sent them down to you. Yep, exactly. <laughs> like, That's where orange. we got off. <laughs> Send it away to the kids who can't get fluorescent green. Exactly. Uh, send these cast-off highlighters to someone in need. I bet there's a small town that could use them. Perhaps one was featured in arachnophobia. Yeah, possibly. Um, <laughs> like, they've got a those... bunch of spiders. They must need some sort of help. They don't, they don't even have... Bracelets, they have bangles. Episode <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, of course we're talking about bangles, because this is going to be our Miss Marvel episode, where we're going to talk all about that great series, because it just wrapped up for, for us when we're recording this last week. For you, the listener out there, it will be a full week ago. You'll be you'll be well into your Miss Marvel withdrawals, and uh, mm-hmm. wishing you had some of that some of that purple crystal back in your life. <laughs> yeah, that sweet rock. You know. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, uh, you know, spoilers, spoilers, double boilers. Uh, yeah, thank you. We- you're welcome. Uh, we uh, were also exposed to a bit of a green crystal. That's uh, a little bit of a green yellow. And speaking of fluorescent green, it's a bit of a fluorescent green crystal. Yeah, that one felt like the knockoff. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to it. I've yeah, got lots we'll of thoughts to, about that. Whole yeah, part. I'll let, yeah, I'll let you get to all those parts. All the thoughts. All we've, and we've got so many. But first, I think we need. Do we need a little podcast fuel up in this business? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm with you. Indeed. Here we go. Oh, that sounded really crisp. It's like you have nice. a fridge that you trust. Mine. That's so much. <laughs> yeah, I've got. Uh... I've got the uh, Cryo Stash Imperial IPA featuring Cryo Hops, whatever the heck that means, from Hop Valley Brewing Company. What about you, John? What are you enjoying today? Uh, Thomas Ashbourne, the classic, old-fashioned, small-batched, all-natural ingredients, hints of sweet maplewood, aromas of caramel, and notes of bright orange bitters. Let's see. Oh, nice. Nope. No. Oh, oh, oh no! <laughs> that, that's oh. always kind of oh no, <laughs> even worse than oh. I could have imagined. Oh, uh, hold on, hold on. I You're gonna just, have to get something else. <laughs> I might. No, you know I'm gonna drink it because I paid for it, and that's what happens. But the tenor of your voice is suddenly suddenly shifted as if you have well it's like i maced my nostrils you see okay <laughs> like everything just burnt every remaining nose hair uh trying to get up into my skull like you know total recall like me trying to get that chip oh. out okay oh <laughs> that that literally made i closed my eyes and i have slight tears um oh no let me oh, temper the- that a little bit hold on <laughs> one second then. Yeah, uh, Thomas Ashbourne, you bastard! You, <laughs> where were you made? Where were you made? So I know not. Know by <laughs> uh, Cordoba. 
Moldavia? That's not even a country. <laughs> this goal. Oh wait, this this motherfucker made it. Hold on. The goal of this old fashioned is to approach cocktails the same way I approach life. With passion, hard work, focus, loving the process, and enjoying the results. I believe we have raised the standard for the this iconic cocktail. John Cena, co-founder. So, oh. the, so the peacemaker himself just tried to assassinate me I with see. an old fashioned. Well, you've seen how strong his even his face looks. It's not too surprising, right, that he has a cocktail that is uh, is an assault on the senses. Even those yeah. must be strong. He's just yeah. like, oh, needs more burning. That is, well, <laughs> congratulations, Mr. Cena. I now can see you. Um, <laughs> yes, I've drank this drink, and it has uh, shifted me over onto your pocket dimension, and in which you escape when you wave your hand in front of your yeah. face. Every time I sip it now, I'm in here. Ba, ba, da, ba. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it would get annoying after a while, but. Ooh, okay, well, that's a thing. Well, uh, there you go. Yeah. A challenging drink to start off this pod. Very good. Well, I have to say, I'm, I'm experiencing the exact opposite reaction. The, uh, the beer masters at Hop Valley have, I don't know what cryo hops is. I don't know if I'm drinking something cool, kind of hops from the future, oh, but that's uh, smooth stuff. I much enjoy. Way to go, Hop Valley! Uh, your beer is at least three times as good as your terrible can design. What is oh. this? <laughs> is that, it's not designed well. Is it like oh? You know, so your cocktail might be an assault on your senses, both taste and smell. But uh, my beer is an assault on my sensibilities, <laughs> and, uh, oh. just my eyes in general. I, uh, let me let me sh- uh, send you a picture, please, if do. I can find one of this uh, cryo stash can. They were going for something, and um, I mean, it does it, if it doesn't look like anything from Demolition Man, then they failed. That's what I'd want it to look like. Like it won the restaurant wars. I, I mean, no. I mean, oh. <laughs> is it is it like rat fink then? Is this got a rat on top of a can driving it like a hot rod? No, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say too many bad things about it. Obviously, somebody had done you know a certain amount of work to get this to be a thing, but it does very much look like something that you would find in a sitcom where there was a fake product that. Uh, oh, one of those. Yeah, so here I think they were trying to go for minimalist and ended up on um, just yeah. a bunch of bad... It just looks not great, right? Yeah, like, I mean, whatever cryo hops is, maybe that is uh, they just freezer burn hops. Who knows? <laughs> it's almost like if you just took the name and you just raised up that label and got rid of that whole silvery thing there, it... I'd still drink it. I'd probably prefer yeah. to drink that, yeah. But if it tastes good, that's the most important part. It does. It does. And it's got 8.7 APV, so that's good. So it's a real strong beer. A real strong beer with a bad label. But it's strong, and it tastes good. So you did good. There's just like, we got you, your your whole thing. You got almost a tangent with the 12 fluid ounces. Of course, uh, on mine, it makes a bigger deal of the cryo hop. So perhaps they... 
they kind of fixed the tangent as well. So, you know, whatever. They're they're still working on it, obviously. There's one that they have called Mango and Stash, which is the best play on Tango and Cash that I've ever seen. And hopefully that's like uh, by design versus someone be like, Mango and Stash, that sounds good. Uh... But- it must be, right? Because the other ones are called Bubble Stash, Cryo Stash, and Stash Panda. Like, And Stash Panda is clearly supposed to be Trash Panda. So Mango and Stash has got to be like Tango and Cash. But if that's the case, why not do a really funny illustration on your can that looks like a, ma- a Tango and Cash throwback? That's what I'd want to see. Of course. I mean, well, that's if we are making our own booze, which maybe at some point we should figure out how to do. Uh, I mean, I have a bathtub. all this talk right we need to put our money where our mouth is i think so i think so uh yeah i don't know people out there if you think uh we should make a <laughs> pop saga beer or <laughs> pop sangria tm tm that's ours you don't take it <laughs> you hear us people you don't take that damn you got it you got it again forcemer you got it again hooray It'll be a uh, blueberry and uh, like uh, raspberry sangria. Sure, I'll take it. I should just this is fruit punch. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, but it's just to match our logo, right? Of course, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you, you are. Oh man, oh man, you're doing it again. You're doing you did it again, it again, Mortimer. You did it again. Yo, son of a gun, Mortimer. <laughs> okay. Now that we're talking like old people, before we get started on uh, uh, on Miss Marvel and we on a recap of that and our thoughts about that, can we just spend a little bit of time talking about the Monsters trailer? Yeah, because I was about to bring that up to you. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, the hell did I just watch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I don't know, don't know, I don't know what I just watched, but I wish I didn't. So I'm I'm going to just, right out of the gate, in terms of movies, I'm not Rob Zombie's biggest fan or supporter. I, I've seen a couple of his films, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was... <laughs> Well, you know, it's always that upward swing that you know. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, I just turned that microaggression into a macroaggression, I think. Yeah, because it's either like films or yeah. films. But one way or another, we know how you felt about it. You feel, feel about his stuff. Well, he does. I mean, the one thing you could say about him is he has a very strong, like, stylistic point of view, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, you definitely can see a Rob Zombie movie, and he's definitely has a, I don't want to be too blue, but a boner for a nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, a, yeah, um, yeah, I'd say so. Like, he, either it's hearkening to movies that he used to watch by employing the actors that were in them, like the old monster movies, and, mm-hmm. you know. Doctor or just like exclusively making remakes of old movies. Well, I mean, I mean Devil's Reject and yes. House of Thousand Corpses is like his own IP. That, that's, that's true. Just, that's his, his originals. Right. And to be fair, I'm going to be completely fair. I think the difference between House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects is like a million steps. Because when I watched House of a Thousand Corpses, I said, oh, this is just a 90 minute movie music video. Yep, and then you watch Devil Reject. I was like, 
did he go to DeVry or did he learn some film school? Cause it is like worlds apart. Like the story is what it is, but visually very impressive. Like it, it, it shows, showed me like a lot of growth and you know, like then he kind of got into those recreating classic, um, uh, some would say timeless uh, movies, you know, with Halloween and then kind of being forced to do Halloween too. Yeah. And, and you know. I think that those, I think it's fair to say that those are kind of not well-regarded entries into the Halloween oeuvre. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a big Michael Myers fan, I still prefer Carpenter's classic uh, to that. I give uh, zombie uh, props for trying to do it. I just, felt like trying to humanize Michael Myers was not the route for me to go or like, well, shit, dude is almost seven feet tall. So like just a massive death, but then you just kind of like, how do you learn to drive a car? <laughs> yeah. Having, having Halloween two be mostly just a, uh, sort of a cannonball run style race across the country was a weird choice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely was. Especially when they ended up at, like, those two palm trees crossed over, like, an X. Yeah, right? And then yeah. they went to In-N-Out. It's very strange. Yeah. yeah, and then they were digging up, like, looking for treasure. Crazy. And a white horse showed up, but whatever. Mm. But Kinda this... Kind of want to see this. <laughs> I mean, I could recut the second one. <laughs> Pretty much, it'll be the start of his Halloween 2. Then I'm going to splice in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World for the remainder. <laughs> And Here then I'll go. put the very end of Halloween tune on there with the white horse. Okay, I'm into it. Uh, that sounds fantastic. And Moody Blues playing throughout the whole time. It's nights and white satin because that song is probably about as long as the movie. <laughs> you know, we'll do that. Done. But you're to I mean, you're completely right about him uh, gathering like a really uh, impressive cast. Uh, you got all of the. All the the great character actors, not I mean not all of them, but a lot of them are in this movie. Like William Forsyth, Udo Kier, everyone I mean from Blade, uh, remember mm -hmm. him? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Danny Trejo, of course, of course, Clint Howard, classic. But uh, uh, Brad Dorif, Malcolm McDowell. I mean, how could you forget him? Yeah. So then you know he brought that brand of these top actors to this. Monsters. Diddy. <laughs> Who was in this movie? I mean, first of all, the fact when I heard that it was a Monsters movie was being made, my first response was, why? Yeah. And then yeah. My, my next response was, okay, well, the fact that Rob Zombie is doing it, and clearly he, I saw it, like, because I was following the production of this movie, because I'm, I'm a Monsters kid. I loved the Monsters when I was growing up. I'd love to see a fun new take on the monsters. So I was 100%, you know, for this movie being good. We don't know. It's not out yet, so we can't say definitively. But, but uh, I, I mean, I was. it seemed like he had a lot of passion for the project, is all I'm saying. He, he posted, like, sets being developed, and it was always in black and white, and they, and, you know, they... All the classic stuff that you remember from the show, he seemed like he was doing a pretty good job of recreating it. Uh, but then I saw this trailer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't going to watch this trailer until you are like, hey, 
have you seen this shit? And I was just <laughs> like, oh, uh, I didn't think I would. And then you kind of mentioned up as like, well, I should watch it. So uh, I made sure to gather everyone around the house. I was like, gather around. We must watch this. I am using the monster summoning bell. Avoid the dragon underneath the stairs. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I have some thoughts about how this could be, how this could have come to pass. Uh, you brought up, when we were discussing it uh, off the pod, you brought up a very good point that it might be just a rights thing. <laughs> like, you, like <laughs> he's got to do something with it or uh, or they revert back to some, you know, I don't know, whoever owned it last. I'm not sure exactly how those deals work, but uh, I I don't know. What, how, now that you've seen it, what do you mm. think? So uh, now that I've seen it, I don't think it's very good. Um, from what I've seen, uh, there are moments where it kind of harkens to the old, uh, you know, the TV show a little bit in, in terms of like seeing Herman Munster kind of wearing like his, the, you know, the leather cap with the motorcycle goggles and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. Like when he would do that and, um, has grandpa in it, uh, uh, though he has a mustache versus the one hidden in the show. Um, and then a very they, weird choice. Yeah, then they played the the music, which was close to the show, and the house looks close to it. But everything else just made me go, why? <laughs> and you know, I, I then I had to really think about like why the monsters were the monsters, and like the Adams family was the Adams family, and the monsters in the Adams family for people at home and don't know actually came out at the same time they they were virtually same year like 1962 um i think one uh, adam's family came out first by a couple of months but universal was already working on this because they were spoofing the adam's family uh comic strip mm-hmm. and they're like well we have the universal monsters so we'll just make a show featuring them and that was the whole reason that the Munsters came out. And even in ratings, the Munsters topped Adam's family. Though, after watching them with an adult's eye, I'm like, the Adam's family, I think, is the superior of the product. Uh, beyond the point. This is a I don't know what. <laughs> I, like, I don't get it. I don't know why it looks the way it does. Um, part of me was thinking, was it because you were filming during COVID? So like you could only have four people on set at any given time. Um, but then why does it look like it was filmed with like Snapchat camera filters or something? Like, I don't know what is going on with this, but I am. Ooh. (laughs) I mean, it is, it has a look like right when the, the trailer starts, they have a bunch of. Uh, they have a bunch of title cards that uh, are sort of playing over a, uh, a, gr- a sort of a corny film or like a, a corny stock footage of a misty graveyard or a foggy graveyard. Mm-hmm. And even the title cards are super low resolution. Like they couldn't be bothered to get like crisp text. Like, I, I, it just looked very compressed and weird. Like, you might see on, you know, like a Disney Channel 
mm-hmm, comedy, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, ever like back from the '90s. It had that that whole stink throughout was just this really ex- insanely low budget. Like I don't know how much money they put into this movie, but how it looks makes me think that every like Rob Zombie just pocketed a hundred percent of the budget <laughs> and like twenty bucks went to this this movie. I was about to say like five, ten dollars were spent on this movie. Um, yeah, it's it's it does have a very like camp approach to it, and I and I feel like that is really being done intentionally. Even though I don't think this actually does any service to the monsters, because I don't even know if this level yeah. of camp would be appreciated this day and age. I agree. I think I don't think this is an accident. I don't think this is the studio getting involved and sort of meddling with the director's vision. I don't think this is like a result of development hell or anything like that. It looks like a very intentional stylistic choice that just doesn't work. Uh the but like the choices that it does make are bizarre because of course, like the majority of the original monsters, there are episodes in color. There was the whole relaunch, and there are the movies that they put out that were in color. But the original, like the majority of monsters, I think that people think of is black and white. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for this, it's in color, which is already an interesting choice. But then they decided to reference the way that the monsters looked when they went into color. Or the way that their uh, their makeup actually looked when it was in black and white, which is this like ridiculous sort of Smurf like uh, or Muppet like presentation. This like super like you know, uh, Herman has this almost uh, just basic out of the tube yellow and blue green skin, and then. Uh, then Grandpa has, like, the craziest blue meanie blue skin. (laughs) It's, like, it looks, it looked bad back then, and with the advent of, like, the clarity and type of film that you have these days, it looks bad now. It was also filmed seemingly on video? I mean, sorry, digital or, yeah, yeah, digital instead of film? Yeah, it felt like it was filmed using, like, uh, GoPros. Like, it has a... (laughs) Like, it has a real weird aesthetic that doesn't even really match, like, old-timey television. Like, it, it, it's such a departure. It looks... You know what it looks like to me? It looks like anything that is going over 24 frames per second. You know, like, when you have that smooth interpolation on TVs where they're, like, 120 hertz, and it's adding yes. frames. It has that same kind of almost soap opery effect at 24 frames a second. Yes, uh, it looks incredibly cheap. And to the point where, you know what it kind of reminded me of? If uh, you, I'm sure you saw these ads all the time, but they would they would do advertisements for stage plays that had been filmed, and then you could yes. buy the film. Yes. It has that look to yes. it. It looks like I'm going to buy the Broadway recording of the young Frankenstein musical. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, this is Edward Scissorhands, the musical, for <laughs> yes, sure. exactly. Yes, yes. It's just like the local stage production, but they were able to, we're going to film it so we can bring class to you, all your classes, classless heathens. <laughs> yep. But we're going to give you the monsters like you've never seen it before. Weird. 
but not in the way yep. you would hope it would be. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, I think also there was the casting seems generally pretty bad. Uh, the actor that they got to play Herman Munster, I don't know. I can't imagine what about him. Maybe his mouth is why they cast him? Because, like, Herman Munster has a very particular voice. Yes, he does. And a very, like, deep, booming voice. And it is, like, it is almost as a much of a part of his character as how he looks. The person in this movie who's playing Herman Munster has a very bizarre... It's like his voice is a much higher register. And even if it's supposed to be younger Herman Munster, it just is, like, so distracting. It's hard for me to move past. No, it like, Fred Gwynn, like, his voice was like, darn, 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 darn. Like, it is so iconic that maybe this was just like, look, you're not going to be able to hit that register, so... Just do something different, but that kind of squeaky high that he kind of has is a little weird. Like it just doesn't yeah. it doesn't suit him. And uh, you also, know, if you see the guy who's playing him, like how he looks out of the monster makeup, you're like, wait, what? That guy has that voice, and then he looks, but he also looks way younger when he's playing Herman Munster. It's just. It is, it is hard to parse what is happening, and not only that, but like the lighting is really corny in a way that. Now I realize that like Rob Zombie is probably fulfilling some sort of nostalgic image that he has in his head of the monsters, and that's fine. And maybe it's just not landing for other people, but why he chose to do such extreme colored lighting that is so harsh and stark and cheap looking is just boggles my mind. So I, I have a prevailing theory about why maybe not necessarily why it looks, but why it is the way it is. Hmm. And I think this is just, you know, the big thing is we know Rob zombie is a universal monsters fan. Yes. But we also know universal would probably never give him the opportunity to make a universal monster movie. So this is the closest he's going to get to that. Okay. I mean, you did a bad job. So like, I don't really know who this is for. You've rated it PG. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's clear he's not really trying to do anything interesting with it. He is trying to recreate his vision of the monsters uh, and tell a prequel, which again is just like, ugh, who cares how they got together? Are you kidding me? It was just like a, the reason they are together in the show is it's a friggin' lark. They just had the rights to these two characters. They're like, yeah, whatever. Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein. Cool. This wasn't something that I was asking for. And uh, I definitely want to return it if I can. Um, <laughs> can, I, can we just take it back? Well, they Rob Zombie, we don't want this. Can we have our money back that we didn't spend? Uh, I, also, it's I think it's worth pointing out that, uh, and there's nothing wrong with this. Maybe she totally earned the role, but uh, Lily Munster is played by Rob Zombie's uh, wife, uh, Sherry Moon Zombie, uh, who is only really starred in Rob Zombie. <laughs> Stuff. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's the, uh, 
that's that's the uh, that's the bag. You know that that's always been the case. Like you said, yeah, I mean, been good in for it. him. He like you know he uh, he loves his wife and he the and uh, loves her acting, and so why not? I I am. I, this doesn't really have anything to do with her, but the way that the choices that she's making as this character are very odd. Yeah, the, and yes, but she doesn't. It's funny. The choices are real odd. I'm with you a million times with that. We know that, you know, even within the Halloween movies, I thought she did a really great job with them. Um, yeah. You know, when she she's, showed up. She's certainly capable of doing of being a good actor. So this doesn't seem like it falls on her shoulders. No, it feels like you got to camp it up. Like, whatever you're doing, camp it up. Camp like, that it was up, his only be... direction. Was yeah, like, like, campier, campier. Slower, more stilted. Yeah. Act like you've never acted before in your life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, no. And it was funny. So I was, when I was watching it, I was like, who's playing Grandpa? Oh, wow. That was a, that was a shock. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Right, so I was like, "Who's playing Grandpa?" So you know, my wife she looks it up, and she's like, "Well, he was in an episode of Matlock." That was the first thing she. I was like, "Yeah, oh, he was also in an episode of Nine One One," and immediately came to my mind. I was like, "Someone needs to call Nine One One on this movie." <laughs> I was just like, "Who is this? Who is this Grandpa? Why does he have the mustache?" What? Yeah, and it's not like he has a mustache in real life that would have to be, like, accounted for. Like, those are real mutton chops, but it's not like he, we had to just integrate this mustache into the costume. This was a costume choice. This is Rob Zombie saying, hey, because he is, he is indeed not only the director, but the writer of this movie. And so if anyone is to blame for anything you don't like, it's got to be 100% him. Yeah. And so he, like... He, he chose to put a mustache on this character. Is it to show it's before the TV show? Is that the way we know it's a prequel? Because Grandpa has a mustache? I I mean, I'm going to go, yes, I guess, since we're not seeing Marilyn or Eddie. Um, but at the well, same yeah, time, yeah, but at the same time, who is going to watch this who will actually remember the monsters? That's the big thing, like... You don't, to your point, you don't even need a prequel before they have their kids. You don't need to set up that sequel. You could just do like they did back in the day. It was like, the monsters go to Hawaii. Yeah, have them go to Hawaii. That would have been hilarious. Just do that. Oh, it's weird. Frankenstein monsters on the beach. Ah, hilarious. Versus whatever this is. Him singing in a punk band. Um, yeah, this is. It seems like it's the story about how the monsters kind of got together, and so, you know, uh, Lily's looking uh, for the love of her life, and so is Herman, and this is, you know, the story about how they met and fell in love. And uh, okay, I mean that's fine if it was done well. That could have been interesting and funny, but uh, I just can't believe we've gotten to this point in our pop culture history and mm -hmm. no one has learned the lesson of the Brady Bunch movie. Do you remember the Brady Bunch movie mm -hmm. that came out the the remake that came out? Yeah, it did very well. Yeah, it did very well and also and I guess this to a certain extent the Adams family as well, but they took the especially for the Brady Bunch movie. They took the humor exactly as it existed in the original Brady Bunch 
They made it corny, but they just transported it into the modern day. And everyone who exists within the Brady Bunch family does not acknowledge the fact that they are totally from another time. But everyone around them is constantly acknowledging the fact that they are from another time. And it is super funny and interesting. It was a super successful way to continue a franchise that is obviously completely outdated uh, in in the, the pop culture when it was rebooted. Why is nobody else doing this? And it was just two original stories that kind of integrated elements from the Brady Bunch uh, TV show into the movie. How has no one else figured out that this works and has tried it again? I have no idea. A hundred percent. I have no idea why this just doesn't seem like if you want a, a quote unquote winning formula, this one proved successful. People really enjoyed it. It played into the camp. It honored the past material, but also made it kind of fresh for today's audience. This feels like not that. No, it, it's so bizarre because it's not honoring it. Like the thing about that is tricky about nostalgia is that nobody remembers something bad as being bad, right? That you love. You remember it, like you canonize it in your head. You remember it as being something that is super amazing and formative. And only when you go back to confirm that that is true and it's different than your memory do, do those walls really collapse. So why make a monsters movie and make it intentionally look shitty? That's the only thing that makes sense is that he's t- intentionally making it look bad mm-hmm. t- for mm-hmm. the purposes of nostalgia. No, you need to honor it celebrate it and push it forward make people think about what they loved about your show while also making it look good so it can go forward so it could be timeless again i don't know it just this is just baffles me it looks like i'm watching an episode of goosebumps and i just am so sad about that <laughs> mhm mhm exactly like it makes me want to explore the previous stuff Instead of making me go like, I don't want to, never, no thank you. (laughs) I've had enough monsters, I guess. Yeah, that's such a good point. I felt the exact same way. I was like, I want to check on some old original monsters now. Just to like remind me why I liked this when I was a kid. And and so I can get this weird bad taste of this this strange, it feels so much like a TV movie. Like a, a movie that would play one you know, week on, it would be a big deal on ABC and then you'd never hear about it again. Exactly. Exactly. But like, did you watch Monsters? Nah, I, I, I was busy. There's I was a, busy. there's a new one of those. Nah, I, I, I had enough back in the Nickelodeon days or Nick at night days that I'm, I'm good enough off the whole Monsters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, Kevin Sorbo was <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> like I was in that trailer. Anyway. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. I, I'm going to put this out there to the super fans. Maybe uh, let us know if we're being too harsh on this. I don't think we are at all. Yeah, sure. But you yeah, know, I would let love us to know. hear. I would love to hear from anybody. Because I've been searching the internet looking for a, a take on that trailer that it's like, you know what's pretty good? Yeah, it's, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty dark. You know, it's really yeah. twisted. 
No. The part where he, that part where the the wolf man answers the door and he just shoves him out of the way. What happened to that wolf man? <laughs> yeah, you know, like this is way better than thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane that was out. You know, <laughs> where where they were good looking monsters. Yeah, this is this is real dark. It's subversive. <laughs> uh, wrong sounding Herman Munster. Uh, yeah, I would really? love to hear a take. <laughs> Darn, 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 darn. Slam in the back of my tractor. <laughs> I mean, at least, look, if you're going to have him sing, he better be singing a Rob Zombie song. Oh my God! He better be singing Dragula. I yeah, will. Exactly. I will riot if it's not if there's not Dragula in that movie. Because I yeah. mean, come on, talk about going full circle. Exactly. Exactly. Just take us to Dragula. <laughs> take us to Rob Zombie. Take us to Dragula already. All right. Well, I mean, that's it. What else is there to say? But I think as just to back up what John just said, write in if you. I've honestly, really, this is a, a genuine call for defenders of the Munsters trailer. Write in, contact us somehow. We won't be angry or upset. I want to know. Make me love it by and convince me to love this trailer with your impassioned plea. Please. Yes. I yes. want to hear somebody say, like, you know what? You're wrong. It was great. I love the fact that it was just when they were at the carnival and it looked like somebody's student film. I loved it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to hear from you. I want the part where all the rocks look like foam and she was knocking on that weird dude's door looking for Herman Munster and then he slides in wearing a red robe for some reason. I need that. I need yep. to I need to know why that was the best part of the trailer. I'll tell you the best part of the trailer was when they recreated when the intro. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, when it ended when they recreated Exactly. When it ended and when they recreated that part from the actual TV show with uh, Herman Munster bursting through the door and then uh, I thought uh, I thought uh, that she did a great job. Lily did a great job uh, in that. You just uh, you just sound like you're just trying to apologize for it. Uh, I am sort of. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't just let it happen. It happened. Uh, well, if the defenders come out, hit us up on the Discord. Email yeah. us. Follow follow that line of thinking. If not, we'll know your silence means you agree. Yep, if you don't write it in, we'll know that that is a tacit agreement uh, to our, of our point of view. But uh, uh, let's leave the monsters in the proverbial graveyard where it apparently belongs uh, and uh, move on to talking about Miss Marvel. Just concluded the newest, the absolute newest Marvel superhero show that premiered on Disney+. Plus. And, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, unfortunately, it came to an end. That's, I think, my biggest complaint about these Disney Plus shows so far. Too few episodes. You need to give them a couple more. You think, you think they need to go from six to eight? At the At very least. least. Yeah. I think that, I think every time we've watched a show and we've talked about it afterwards, and we'll see if this rings true for, for, uh, Miss Marvel as well. But, uh... It always feels like there are certain aspects that are not explored enough and that are rushed. And a lot of that feels like it's because they're really just making a movie but spreading it out over six episodes. I think Moon Knight had sort of the same is, uh, issue. Yeah, I think Moon Knight was probably the biggest offender mm-hmm. um, out, out of the bunch. 
um, in terms of like, they're like, we're going to, it's going to be our longest episode yet. And it's like 43 minutes. You're like, and you're oh. like, oh, we, we need more of this show. We know, yeah. we realize there are some effect shots that are A, very good, but B, incredibly expensive. And you're just like, well, the show's got to be 30 minutes long, guys. Let's see what you got. Yeah, you can get everyone talking because everyone loves their heroes when they're talking. Less punching, more talky talk. <laughs> Less punching, more talky talk, of course. Yeah, yeah so uh, I think that's been an issue with all the Marvel shows so far. And yeah, uh, I get why they're doing it. And I th- I think it's smart to sort of... Um, it's smart to consolidate your budget in a way, but uh, I think that the storytelling gets definitely the short end of that straw in those situations. I think I, I agree to a certain point, but after seeing um, Thor Love and Thunder... Mm, it, I have not seen that yet. <laughs> don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything. I'll wait till you see it. Uh, we'll okay. talk about it when you do. Um, or we should talk about it when you do. I think I'm seeing something different with how everything's kind of being i guess laid out Mm -hmm. that makes me kind of understand what they're doing with this uh but you know we'll we'll, i'll I'll discuss a little bit further on um so if you are um if you're wondering uh what the show is all about and you're not familiar with it it's called miss marvel and it uh premiered this year and it's a it's listed on imdb as a tv miniseries which makes me think do we get a season two i don't know um but uh the synopsis is that kamala is a, a superhero fan with an imagination particularly when it comes to captain marvel kamala feels like she doesn't fit in at school and sometimes even at home that is until she gets superpowers like all the heroes she's looked up to and it's created by Bisha K. Ali. And it stars Iman Vellani, Matt Lintz, and a bunch of other people that I can go into right now. Here, let me just scroll down. <laughs> they only show me the top three stars on the yep. IMDb. And it doesn't seem to make much sense. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, Genobia Shiroff, uh, Yasmin Fletcher, uh, Reese, Reese Saha, sorry if I did not pronounce that correctly, Mohan Kapoor, uh, and a number of other amazing people. I'm going to mention, uh, Nimra Buka as well, because yeah. she plays a big part and, uh, just a bunch of really talented people. And that we'll probably bring up as we talk about it. Um, But that is the overview of the series. And it's based on a fairly new Marvel superhero um, that was just introduced. uh, You know, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's been a long time. It's been kind of a long time now. uh, But she, as far as superheroes go and their legacy, she's brand new. Yeah. I mean, she is first uh, arrived in 2014. So I think compared to most heroes, not even in the double digits yet. But nope. in terms of endearment to the Marvel universe, comic universe, big impact. Oh yeah, she was pretty much instantly a big hit. And uh, unlike the show in the comics, she has uh, powers that I would say would be would be comparable to um, uh, Reed Richards, uh, yeah. Mister Fantastic, and. Um, 
she uh, is, I would say, maybe the only huge hit to come out of Marvel's push to make the Inhumans a a big property. Well, I mean, that's just the side effect of the fact that uh, Kevin and Fahey wanted to go one way, and I forget who the other dude was, Red and Marvel wanted to go the other, and that was during that whole no X-Men, or don't mention the X-Men, we can't really do anything with them since 20th Century Fox owns them, so we're re-pushing the Inhumans, like they did back in the day before like the X-Men got the big push they did, and the Inhumans kind of got pushed out of the way and Marvel just focused on mutants instead they went right back to the humans and yeah that's how she got her powers were through Terra Genesis yeah she was one of the few heroes that that they tried to introduce with this new uh X-Men replacement basically at the time and um is I would say the only surviving member of that <laughs> that push because these days you'd you hear nary a mention of the Inhumans uh, but uh, Kamala Khan, aka Miss Marvel, is still going strong. Yep, yep. Even though it came out recently that they thought her origins would have been different, but because of this push at Marvel, that's why she was made inhuman. They thought she might have been made a mutant beforehand because it was just what they did with everyone who kind of showed up. You got mm-hmm. new powers, you're a mutant. You're a mutant. Yeah. It's the best way to explain anything. <laughs> that's that is certainly the what the creator has uh, since said is that that's what they wanted and Marvel was like no mutants would never heard of them <laughs> yeah. Wolverine uh, who's that more like Honey Badger the new <laughs> Inhuman yes yeah, I'm the greatest at what I've done and what I do is great because I'm the greatest at it Honey Badger <laughs> uh, Snoop Snoop. Yeah, but yeah. instead of what instead of I, uh, Cyclops, they got two clops. <laughs> two clops. Biclops. Bi-clops. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> he's got two eyes better to shoot you with. Yep, that's right. He's got, because he's got double guns. the crimson, crimson beams. From his guns that he holds. Yes, of course, he's also got laser guns, because why not? Yeah, why not? Biclops totally got laser guns. Come on. Of course. Yeah. And uh so they uh they they decided to adapt that property to uh for Marvel TV, which was a, which was celebrated a lot of the time and uh and it's finally come out after all of the waiting that we've uh we've been doing since we heard the announcement at the upfronts or or whatever they did the announcement. Was it D23 or something? May yeah, have been I think one this of the a... Disney shows. Yeah, cuz D23 is usually like here's our slate of mm-hmm. everything, 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 everything. And that was one of the title cards. And it feels like I've been waiting forever for this to come out. It's certainly one of the more exciting things that they've actually done uh, recently. Uh, because it is so steeped in uh, in a different culture than what they usually um, uh, plumb from or, or have shows that uh, explore. Uh, and uh, And I think... Uh, you know, I don't want to give away my thoughts so early, like anybody is waiting on the edge of their sh- seats, but I think they were largely successful. Yeah, I'd say they're super successful. Um, it, I mean, Osley is probably just one of the most inclusive TV shows that I've seen that did, for me anyway, did so much right that it was, you know, I looked generally forward to it. 
every, you know, every Wednesday. I was like, okay, it's out. We got to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. I need to watch it. Why aren't we watching it now? What do you mean we have to watch this later? I don't get this. Why are we watching this later? Okay, we'll watch it later, but we can't watch it much later <laughs> because of just how like refreshing it was to, you know, like experience something that normally whenever we experience it, it's always codified in like the worst ways possible. Right. This was not people who weren't, you know, didn't grow up in this culture uh doing sort of a pastiche or some sort of uh story based on their understanding of a culture that they've never been immersed in this definitely felt felt authentic and that's all the way from the people who the folks who wrote it the creator the directors and the stars uh and uh i mean what you got was a, an incredibly fun interesting endearing show about a new hero that you instantly want to see more of and and you know be a part of the greater mcu yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. uh aman villani mm -hmm. amazing just yeah absolutely amazing such it, a delight yeah super infectious in terms of just like positivity and you know really giving it their all to a role and just yeah, perfect casting for the like, character. Yeah, I don't think you could have casted perfect, more perfect than that. She's absolute joy. I look forward to seeing her every week as two. And I thought she did, you know, the character of Kamala Khan justice, you know, because I mean, I dived into the comics when she showed up. I was like, oh, what's this? You got Fantastic Four powers, whatever. Let's, oh, this is really good and enlightening. And again, kind of a a breath of fresh air from like the traditional comic status quo mm-hmm yeah and uh i was a big fan of the young avengers and she was a part of that group and that was really fun um and so uh but i think that they really nailed her enthusiasm for being a superhero and just her authentic experience as a teenager uh, growing up, not only, you know, with all the sort of challenges that that time in your life brings, but then on top of that, you know, adding in the weight and responsibility of being a hero. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, I th and they didn't do anything like they didn't like copy Spider-Man or make the, the story sort of derivative of stuff that you've already seen. It felt like a very authentically original origin story for this character that I thought took a lot of liberties with the actual origin, but still uh, nailed their own unique version of the character. Agreed. And this one, I wasn't necessarily so uh, uh, like endeared to their comic book origin that it um, impacted my you know, my ability to enjoy the show, kind of like yeah. the inverse of like Moon Knight did, but. Sure. I mean, there's less baggage. That's the benefit of choosing a, a hero that has less history is there's just less baggage. There's less expectations. There's less headcanon that people have that they are so precious about. This is just like, oh, I'm already an adult. I can just like this character for liking this character. And then, oh, okay, you changed it up. That's cool. I'll go with it. Remember when we were initially talking about it, I wasn't too, I didn't like initially the representation of her powers. 
Uh, but, you know, you brought up the fact that it's like, well, it's probably too close to, fan, you know, Mr. Fantastic. And they probably want to avoid that since they're going to be introducing Mr. Fantastic. And the last thing you'd want is to have people going, oh, man, Mr. Fantastic stole Kamala's powers. <laughs> yeah, right. Or just like it would be it's weird enough in the comics to have a, a character with Reed Richardson's powers, even though. It's not, I mean, it's not any more weird than like the, you know, hundreds of heroes that have super strength as their main power. You know, there's tons of heroes that, that duplicate a certain power set, but for whatever reason, Mr. Fantastic feels unique. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, not so much for the DC side of the fence. They had stretchy no. people all the time, like Plastic oh, yeah, Man. They have, they have tons of stretchy people. They're chock block full of stretchy people. I mean, shit, elongated man. That's yep. come on. He's man. in there too. Isn't there one of the the metal? You know, the whatever they're called, like the metal guys. Yeah, the metal the, men. Yeah, the metal men. Yeah, uh, that has a stretchy power as well. Uh huh. I forget yeah. which which uh, which one it is. It's not iron. It's mercury, maybe or something like that. Because he's all kind of stretchy. Um, yep. Yeah, totes, totes like stretchy powers left and right. This time. You can get stretchy holograms. Yeah. Yeah. You basically get Green Lantern's power. They're hard light projections, more or less. Yep. Except maybe without the... You can't get quite as intricate with the constructs, I guess. No moving yeah. parts we've seen so far, anyway. Yeah, that we've seen so far. But at least we've gotten, I feel, definitive proof that the bangle is not important to that. Uh, John, what are you basing that on? I'm basing the fact off, well, I mean, I'm not going to jump to the end, but conclusive evidence at the beginning saying that the powers do not emanate from her, that the bangle only activated said powers. Uh -huh. uh, that was said in one episode, and then at the end of this episode, stated it. So, I don't well, know if we want to jump there right there, but... There are several powers that she can only activate with the bangle, yeah, such as the time hopping. Well, that's or different teleportation. because we I think we know what the bangle is now. Well, I think <laughs> I know what the bangle is now. Uh-huh. I mean, listen, there is nothing that is in the series that proves your point. Maybe yes, we'll see it. Yes, there is. Bruno there is literally says that the powers are coming from her, not the bangle. Uh, yeah, but I mean, she needs the bangle. She puts it on all the time every time she activates her powers. There's well, not a single shot of her using her powers without it. Well, yeah, because it's a part of the uniform, the costume. It also activates when she touches it. It activates when other gin touches it. Yeah, but it, it does other shit, too. But I guarantee she does not need the bangle to use her powers. Well, let's, well let's see it happen, and then you'll be because right. Because I, well, I know I'm right, and I know you're just like, I want Green Lantern in the Marvel Universe, and this is how I'm getting it. This is not well, just, how you're getting it. Let's just, okay, let's just break it down from a story perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, there was... So there's there's no arc with her like thinking she needs the bangle, losing it, and then using her powers or whatever, or it being such an important thing that if she ever lost it, oh my god, what would I do without the powers? She just always has it on. Uh, it literally changes, transforms when she touches it, lights up, all sorts of crap. Mm -hmm. And uh, regardless of whether or not it activated her powers, there's several things she does in the series that require the bangle, and it's clear sure. that and there's all sorts of people. Not coming but, for the bangle and there's yeah. not one moment because if what you're talking about is true then they would have that moment where they have in every story like this where she loses it and then somebody says hey america 
The uh, power was in you the whole time. You knew how to to do it. Uh, maybe it, that, that shows exist. like an amused bouche where you're uh, getting this because they're going to have a whole movie where that might happen. They just don't. They don't focus on it in a way that makes it like obviously it is. It works in concert with her powers to make these happen, or to but, make the constructs happen. And I think that what happens to uh, our oh god, what is his name? It's so c- close to Comron, Kamala, and Comron. What happens to Comron because he has this? I guess it's like hurting his kidney. <laughs> he gives him a. It gives him a, uh, a, a an appendix infection, uh, having uncontrolled uh, newer power just mm-hmm. like bursting out of you. You need some sort of focus, I guess, or something. Because I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I, there is like you're you're very confident, and I respect that. But I think that that this is going to turn out. I mean, otherwise. How there would have been you... some sort of evolution that, that no, made it... this true. No. It doesn't exist in the series. No, because it doesn't need to exist. And everything that supports it is... Can can I just jump to the end? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. So, you know, when uh, Bruno was talking about her powers, he mentions that there's a little... You know, there's something different about her because we saw other people with the bangle and her family could not use it. Like it would not activate the same way or provide those abilities they unlocked when she uh, put it on for the first time, which possibly awakened her mutant gene. Yeah, maybe. Right? Well, what do you mean maybe? They played the sting. Yeah, I mean, no, it's definitely the mutant gene, but it's unclear what that means at the moment. Oh, my God. Come on. You're going to tell me you can't speculate? You know what that means. You know how mutants are activated in the comic books, anyway. Uh, yeah, but, either like, but it's usually maturity. Maturity, traumatic event, mm. or something unlocks the gene. One, right. Something else unlocks a gene. Either you're forced through, you get hit with the mutant unlock ray, or, you know, like, some other thing um, unlocks it. So, I'm going with the bangle unlocks it, because I believe... I'm just speculating here. I think this is a nega band. Interesting. So you think it's going to be like that'll hook into uh, Adam uh, Warlock somehow? No. Uh, so technically, the nega bands were first worn by Captain Marvel. Yes. Right. So I think that is, and we saw uh, spoilers, spoilers. Even though you invoked the uh, the curse, it's already, been invoked. it's already been invoked. It's already been which is okay. I'm hoping so. Um, the fact that, you know, during the end credit scene when there's that switch uh-huh. is something that happened in the old comic books where Rick Jones would switch places with uh, Captain Marvel, who is who, when he wasn't there, was residing in the negative zone. Yeah, yeah. doesn't he go crazy or something? Yes, he does. Yeah, mm, not a great place. No, not great, but we see the switch happen. Um, which makes me think maybe that's where, uh, you know, Captain Marvel was, but what I'm saying is that's what I, that's, that's what I gleaned from like that whole thing. And that's why I'm kind of like, I don't think the band, yes, it reacts to her or whatever, but the powers themselves emanate from her. Maybe to, maybe to your point, 
We'll see. It could be a focus that she has to use. Just from a storytelling perspective, that is... Otherwise, it would be pretty disappointing because the whole point of this series is that tons of people are trying to get the bangle. The bangle is the only thing that'll send them back to their dimension. And, like, even when... um, God, someday I'm so terrible with names. It's just the worst thing ever. But even when uh, Najma... Yeah, Najma. when when she touches it, her eyes glow purple. Like there's clear that anyone with Jin background has some sort of reaction with the bangle when uh when her grandma when she was in the past and her grandma young grandma was holding it, she was able to create little what are the I mean, what would you call <laughs> little beads, little icicles? Well, like grandma didn't create that. That was coming from that was Kamala. Right, but it was wasn't the sh- it? It was the shattering of her little light steps. Yeah, but then her grandma was able to control it. That's why she had her hand out and she was controlling it I, while she was holding I would wanna, the the bangle. I would need to rewatch it. I don't think that's. Um, I don't think it was her grandma controlling it. So you, do you think that she was just reaching her hand out in a very eleven way to like want to touch him, like over there, real? Pretty? I think it's because she was like four years old and hoping to not get. You know, everything around her was very scary. And you How don't I see read her, that. You don't really yeah. see her do anything else with the bangle. She doesn't even say, hey, let me show you some things because she's had it for so long. Let me show you how to use it. Or let me, she's just like, hey, you're in Karashi. You're going to have to discover what's up on your own. Good luck. <laughs> so I think it's just like something where you see, if you're four years old, you see pretty lights, you're going to reach out to it and it led her to, you know, her dad. Because it seemed like that scene, the way that scene was shot, at least how I read it, was that the like Kamala was was making the little um, platforms for her to walk on, and then she her focus got interrupted by you know she was getting hit by the crowd and knocked her jostled about, and yes. and then she couldn't see uh, her grandma anymore, and they started panicking, and then her grandma sort of activated the power herself. And uh, that lit the way for, uh, what was the nickname of her dad or of her father figure? Babu? Well, Babu, I think, is just dad. Yeah, it's just, but it's like a a colloquial uh, thing. And uh, that's what it seemed like to me. Because it seemed like at that point that Kamala was like, there was the hopeless part where she's like, oh no, what happened? And then... It turns out, like, oh, that's your grandma. She's got magic in the family, as she said. I guess it's not something she chose to pursue any further, though. Well, that's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You even see what uh, uh, Aisha, like her great grandmother, mm-hmm. y- you see her with the bangle, and it from it going from its, it was attached to this blue skinned wrist, which, you know, we could maybe liken that was Cree or, you know, the. The uh, what what were they called the um, the deviants or no well, sorry the not the deviants the what no, were sorry the, the the clandestine the clandestines which is like such a weird deep marvel what a cut. crazy weird cut to yeah. do like, I mean MCU does this all the time but what like the clandestines are based on an old super team called clandestine yeah. or clandestine. Which is uh, which is just a family of rich superheroes that kind of keep to themselves, rich British superheroes that 
that I, you know, weirdly have a connection to the X-Men. Yeah, because I think they were like X-Men adjacent in the, what, mid-90s? Um, and yeah, then disappeared. Like, yeah, like uh, Xavier, Charles Xavier helps the clandestine uh, with like banishing a great threat back to its own dimension. But then his memory is wiped, so he never <laughs> remembers <laughs> Someone memory wiped Professor X. Yeah, it's like, yeah. this is, I mean, I don't mind. This is, if you're Marvel, this is exactly what the kind of thing I want you to just be like taking and, and just changing. Because a rich British family that has lived forever and is also superheroes, but they don't really want to be superheroes. It's like, I don't, I don't need that. That's fine. You guys can, you can make that whatever you want besides what it actually is. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm for it. If you're going to use it and make it cool, let's make it cool. Or at least figure out what we're kind of, you know, what you're doing with it. Because congratulations on such a deep cut. <laughs> it was so weird. I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait, they're called with an S on the end? And I immediately was like, is this the same? Is this the same thing? And the mm -hmm. answer is yes. Yes, it is. I mean, because like in the clandestine, uh, the, or sorry, clan, capital D, destine, from the comics is they had to do with Jin. That's like part of their whole thing. That's that's all tracks. Yeah, no, I mean they pulled they pulled the parts that made the most sense. But now I think it just kind of weaves into the great tapestry of whatever they're trying to establish for Phase Four is. <laughs> yeah, whatever the hell it is, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I can't make hide nor hair of it. Whereas, yeah. like the original Phase, uh, the phases were very clear, kind of what they were building up to. Yeah. I don't know what's coming, but I am kind of excited. Yeah, Unless that's... we don't get a Midnight Suns, and then I'll be really mad. Oh, uh, we'll get a Midnight Suns. Might not be in I phase right. four, but it'll be in phase five. We're gonna get midnight suns. I, I have a I have a prevailing theory of what I think they're doing for phase four. And Just teams, teams, teams. I, no, kind of. I think what it is is phase one through three was very focused on establishing their core heroes. Like these right. are these are the ones you're gonna use. Let's point them towards a big bad that's gonna be coming. And then that's going to be it. Phase four and beyond is about establishing lore, way more lore, like uh, putting things that would take, you know, probably some people would be like, oh, that's uh, bullshit, you know, and making a whole movie about said bullshit. So that way you're like, well, it was in Doctor Strange. So now there are a <laughs> bunch of multiverses, you know, to, yeah, you know, establishing like, the afterlife or realms and multiverses and everything in between. So those concepts are kind of in the uh, vocabulary while also seemingly to using like the second to last or last, um, you know, like after credit scene to throw in another character so that way you just know they now exist in the universe and they'll come back at some way, shape, or form. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Star Fox. Yeah, or, you know, Cleo. Yep. You know, or, you know, like, I won't say what happened. You, to mean, me. you mean Clea? Clea, sorry, Cleo. It's like, <laughs> call me now. Dr. Strange. <laughs> call me now. Oh, that's the only reason. Well, the only reason it's... Uh, 
it, the fact that she was doing an accent is the only reason that I could also do that accent. Is she was also doing a uh, intimidate or in uh, imitating somebody, intimidating somebody. I don't well, know. kind of both. I'm pretty sure those phone those phone hotlines were uh, pretty cutthroat back in the day. Well, I'm sure when people would not pay their uh, bills, <laughs> like, then she would give me. She would really uh, coming after them. <laughs> you better call me now. <laughs> yep. I know when you're gonna die. Yeah. I'm Miss Cleo, and it's right now. If you don't please, you give me your money. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, this uh, the the way the series starts out is fantastic. You know, it's it has that same sort of Spider-Man vibe of just like a a hero in high school and like all the problems that high school high school brings up. And uh, I thought that her friend group was also ca- uh, cast incredibly well. Mm. Uh, Matt Lintz as Bruno and uh, Yasmin Flesher as uh, Nakia were uh, were were just a uh, just a fantastic foil uh, for Kamala. Oh yeah, and they all it, it was really cool seeing them all together. It was yeah, fun. like you said, Spider Man or you know Scott Pilgrim and kind of how they would superimpose art and everything else yeah the way it's presented is very it has that sort of uh switching back between animation and you know uh animated things drawn on the screen that kind of brings uh scott pilgrim's um uh visual style to to mind but uh certainly doing it in its own way i mentioned this Mm -hmm. back when we talked about it originally that i really like the fact that uh kamala is an artist i wish they actually kind of delved into that a little more although i maybe if she's sort of used her creativity to make her constructs then it kind of is maybe eating uh kyle rayner's lunch a little bit is that his name yeah yeah oh no uh is it rayner or writer whatever i think it's yeah yeah whatever the the green lantern who's also an artist it is the most powerful green lantern yeah the the green lantern who brought a whole news new phase and phrase to um vocabulary as well <laughs> exactly yeah yeah no it yeah, i mean it'll be interesting to see if that kind of pans out later but i mean i enjoyed that superimposedness to it it felt really um like grounded with how they established the show from a you know from the jump which is kind of more family focused kid friendlier i guess to a degree um you know while there were stakes there were never like stakes where i was truly worried obviously but you know nothing was like oh no um because everything was kind of toned down um a little bit but i i enjoyed that playfulness between her kind of you know like and that style just being kind of like showed case throughout the uh show Mm -hmm. yeah that was it was a really nice touch uh and i think that the the show chronicles from that point the fact that she she gets this bangle in a uh a box of her grandma's old stuff and that sort of awakens some sort of power dwelling within her and uh she kind of gets i think it's within the first episode that she starts using her power and and of course a big part of this just like it was for spider-man is the prevalence of social media and and her as the soon as she gets her power somebody is filming it 
and it goes and gets a bunch of hits, and uh, she is dubbed uh, Nightlight, I believe, yep. is what people uh, start calling her. Oh, yeah. She has a, a very funny debut where she, like, it's a great, uh, uh, like, initial use of uh, a hero's uh, power, and uh, it shows how it can easily go wrong if you're not trained. Oh, yeah. No. Um, well, I mean, obviously, she causes the accident, but doing the hero's journey was able to save the person from the accident that she caused herself. Yeah. And, so, uh, I mean, a lot of people could have gotten hurt. Yeah. <laughs> that I, huge, all those, like, big paper mache things rolling around that, uh, rolling around that high school gym. Yeah, that weird uh, Rube Goldberg of death and destruction by paper mache. Yes. <laughs> Although I guess it wasn't a high school gym; it was probably like a rec center or something. It was like a the the setting was a a Marvel or a sorry a superhero tribute convention in a weird this weird sort of meta commentary on comic book conventions. But it's not a comic book convention; it's a convention where the comic book heroes are real. It was it was a really interesting thing. I, I read an article that said the creator said that Marvel wanted to make their own. After they saw this scene, they're like, "We should do this. We should do an Avengers convention. People will pay." I mean, hell yeah, that'd be. I would go. I I would go just to take a picture with the uh, that sort of uh, light up Captain Marvel. <laughs> that would be pretty you know, cool. That was yeah. that, that looked rad as hell. That's true. That's true. And I mean, if I can get away wearing a cardboard helmet. Yeah, I'm all for it. Oh my! I mean, like that's maybe the most unrealistic part of the show is <laughs> the fact that these kids were able to put together such an amazing sweeted, if you know that terminology, but sweeted version of uh, of Captain Marvel's outfit with the light up mohawk. Incredible! I mean, granted, uh, people who do cosplay do some pretty amazing stuff these days, and with 3D printing being the way it is, but the fact that they made it out of painted cardboard was one of the more impressive feats of costuming i've seen you know if someone did that in real life i don't i would be like what whoa this is incredible this is i mean i, I don't i can't pay you but work for me somehow i, <laughs> I want to hire it. you and so it's weird that you mention it because a lot of times when i see people making things out of like foam and warbler i pay more attention to that than the dudes who like 3d print their iron man armor not saying both don't take a lot of work and you know, shit, but, like, there's just something about it being, like, homespun and crafted that I just can't help but appreciate. Right? Yeah. It was, it was like, incredible. It was like, wow, this is a very convincing Captain Marvel. This would, like, win any costume contest. And I like how they had her sort of rival that becomes her friend, who is, like, a more popular social media personality that goes to school with her. She dresses up in the old Miss Marvel costume. Uh, that's very like overly overtly sexualized with like the the bare legs and the tight shorts and stuff, and every her reaction to that kind of is, uh, I mean, it's just a really fun juxtaposition of where Marvel Comics was at one point and where they are now. Yep, yep, I agree, I agree. Uh, and then the the rest of the the series is is interesting because. I think that just like Moonlight, uh, Moonlight, Mold Moonlight. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was a name? Uh, but just like Moon Knight, uh, I think this show very much suffers from the fact that it did not have enough episodes. 
especially when it comes to the villains. And we've mentioned them before, uh, but the clandestine, a.k.a. the djinn, a.k.a. the beings of pure Nur, uh, are their introduction is bonkers because they go from, uh, especially Najma goes from like comforting maternal presence to just like a insatiable villain within the span of five minutes. Yeah. But you know, she had that look on her where you're like, mm, I don't think she'll be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're saying the high cheekbones really. really yeah. Worried. Just like, She's got that like you know almost classic just yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna try to uh, do this with kindness but I haven't been known to be very patient especially the amount of years that they've been trying to travel back you know head back home and all this shit and finally being able to find the the uh, bracelet after so many years and then being so close yeah I could see her doing that turn within like 15 minutes. Yeah, I think there's ways you could justify it, but I think it was it was unfair to the character because I think based on how that character's arc goes throughout the series, if we had spent a little more time with her and Kamala getting closer, if we had spent more time with her as sort of this trainer and mentor to Kamala that eventually ends up turning on her and trying to use her, that means a lot more, I think, if we spent just a little more time. As it stands right now, I feel very little for what happens to that character. I, and I think that the, the the show sacrifices those moments for more moments with Kamala and her family. And I think that that's good. Because I that's to me, that is the part of the show that works the best. Everyone was cast so perfectly. They have such amazing chemistry. I believe that they are a close-knit family that has disagreements and that has things that happen that you know, cause them to be disappointed in each other, but then come together in the end because they love each other. I believe that a hundred percent. And so I'm glad that they made the sacrifices they did, but I think if they just had a couple more episodes, they wouldn't have to make these choices. Yeah. But do you think that that stretches it out too much? Like, I I mean, no, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know if that payoff would have been, it, to me anyway any more rewarding than what i got now mind you i kind of get you know some of the super fans on uh on our discord you know hit that pico leak check it out <laughs> kind of uh you know hinted at that just where it kind of felt listless right like it doesn't feel like it's going in one direction or the other and i get that feeling too but for me i didn't find the clandestines uh, tm uh, any more interesting? <laughs> we can't TM that. Uh, sure, we can. Uh, we'll spell it with a Z in there. Um, oh, yeah. oh, 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 now you're talking. Yeah, come on, come on. We're getting that money one way or the other. Um, <laughs> I didn't really find them. How do we put it? I didn't really find them that intimidating or that very much like their comic series that important to the grand scheme of things because I was so enthralled with just uh, the family dynamic and the fact that it was so positive and you know showed a culture that is usually you know, uh, we'll get real for a second is usually demonized 
um, on most you know terrestrial television. I mean, shit. There's a bunch of Blue Bloods episodes where that was the the arc was just the stereotypical thing. And oh, we're going I, back to Blue Bloods. <laughs> I had to because it was just like. It was one way of how you do television, but this one showed me a new way of doing television just by, you know, celebrating something. So I much would rather spend uh, spend it with her just trying to find herself and, you know, the Department of Damage Control being the one that she's kind of up against than necessarily right. the... then do that. Yeah, I would, like, have, I would rather have that than, like, you know, the clandestines because, you know, I mean, shit, they were relegated to fucking prison for the most part. Right, There's, we don't. We hardly get any uh, chance to spend time with them, and I think that's. If I had one big criticism for the show, not uh, besides for him being not long enough, but that's just a Marvel mandate, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's not really up to the creators, but they just stuck too many villains in this thing, and I think the biggest problem, even though I think I liked the way that the final episode went, and I liked the way that. Kamala proved that she was the most heroic hero that we've maybe seen on screen to date, just from her, the way that she uh, approaches problems and, and acts. But we get to the, like, they used the Marvel trope that everyone who doesn't like Marvel movies makes fun of, which is that in the first movie or encounter or TV series in this case, the hero always ends up facing a version of themselves that has a different that has the exact same power set the only difference is the powers are a different color yeah yeah that's true and i that is as someone who likes the marvel properties it is something that i can definitely recognize and say yeah that is a problem because you don't have to do that there are a lot of different ways you can make an interesting villain and we've seen it done a couple times and in the Marvel case, the case of Marvel, done very few times. Like, what? Do, whenever you say, well, who's, like, a good villain in Marvel? People are always, like, Black Panther. That's, like, the first thing that they say. And even yeah. then, that's the same thing. <laughs> it ends with two people with the same power sets with different colored powers. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, one was purple, one was gold. But, yeah, <laughs> same damn thing. It, it is true. Look, I think Marvel does have a villain problem and i actually think mm -hmm. this slow roll is them trying to in a weird way rectify that by not i wish they would do it more often i wish they would go faster i mean i wish i would i wish they would too but like i was saying earlier i really think that this is just more about upping the audience marvel iq by just they're laying the groundwork for the next 20 years not the next 10 exactly because they're laying the ways for them to be able to recast actors you know so that way yeah, you, good know, point. you know i'm like, thor from another dimension exactly oh, cool good to meet you. because it's not weird right because everyone's going to be so in love with chris hemsworth that it's going to be hard to see them be like finally recast him when he's in his 40s or whatever so instead mm -hmm. it's just like Oh, there can always be a Thor. We could always, there's always a Peter Parker. There's always this. So they're kind of laying that groundwork to allow for that. But also, you know, I think there's a real big problem that they did for themselves, even up into this phase, which was like, how do you top Endgame? Right. Yeah. What a monumental cultural, pop cultural event that was. 
good luck trying to top that. <laughs> right? And I think the I think the conceit here is you don't because you right. can escalate things and you can add new teams and heroes and shit and that's cool, but I think that moment is cemented and you just anything else will feel like it's just a imitation of what that was. So I think this is all about like this slow burn, you know, unfortunately, the slow burn of just establishing these different points of views, these different ways that people access stuff, different powers, everything. So you're more aware of it than kind of like, where the fuck did this come from? So now, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think the, you know, the side effect of that is, is it is like, uh, will you finally hit on something that like I can focus on, but it's no longer the villain of the week. You know, no. it's villains. I think they're telling multiple stories. I don't think we'll get like, uh, you know, a quote unquote, uh, cataclysmic like event until we do get to like secret wars or secret invasion, right? Where they bring about something else that would be, you know, universe shattering. Um, and that's just going to be that slow, methodical rollout. I mean, they're at 54 hours with phase four already between the TV shows and the movies. And that's more than two phases timeline combined of just movies. So, yeah, I mean, I wish they'd get to it kind of quicker too, or give me something that I can go like, I can't wait for that to show up. But right now I'm like, clandestines, okay. Yeah, right. Because I think when we were talking about it before, you your bet was that they would be related to the Eternal somehow. And that makes a ton of sense. Like, you literally already have, like, all of these ancient races that that could be, that she could be descended from that might make a lot more sense and might sort of weave nicely into uh, into what they've been doing. I wonder, though, the, if this is instead a, an attempt to silo things more, to make them mm. less interconnected, and so you can kind of tell your own stories without stepping on the toes of these other things. Because, like, to me especially, the fact that they have the clandestines and then they also have another group from the Eternals. They have the uh, the Eternals. They also have the Deviants. Like, there's all these groups. Of course, they all exist in the comic as well, but, like, at the same time, you're just like, really? There's another group of things? Okay, I guess anything is... That's what they're trying to set up, like you said. There's, the possibilities are endless, so don't question us when the possibilities are different than you expected. Yeah, like, something... You know, we're kind of going with, like, old, old data, like what has been presented before us and what they haven't reached out. But now they're showing, oh, no, we're going to go weird. So we might, you know, zig when you think we're going to zag. Um, you know, and I was just going off, well, I mean, look, she'd have to either be related to the internals or, you know, somehow become an inhuman. So, you know, maybe they're changing the way Genesis happens there. Which could have been fine, you know, contact of inhuman technology could awaken the, you know, that state maybe. That's what I thought it was. No, instead they just changed it completely. Yeah, and I thought it was going to be Cree-related, and that didn't turn out to be true at all. Yeah. She's, like, as far as we saw, like, a blue hand, but that's as far as we got. So I still think you're going to get your Cree. I do think, because, I mean, we know Captain Marvel's involved with the Marvels. 
So I think sure. you're going to get your Cree. I think you're going to get your Cree somehow involved in this process. I do. Yeah. I mean, there. this is just... Well, we might as well just talk about it, but like we've already mentioned it before, but the fact that they tease at the very end that this, these are mutants. Of course, they do it in a sort of roundabout way, but they say, hey, uh, you know, uh, there's something, uh, there's a mutation in your gene. And then it's like, and uh, does, I mean, does that mean that Scarlet Witch is going to pop out from behind Kamala at some point and rip her face in half? <laughs> Because last time we heard that stick, that's what happened to that guy. I mean, uh, that would have that would have been a twist. I've been like, oh, <laughs> oh, this has gotten so dark. Yeah, this this was really good up until uh, up until that last scene. <laughs> she Not only up. is Wanda still alive, she's just ripping faces in half <laughs> anytime <laughs> that sting plays. It's like it's like Pavlovian. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I keep I don't know why the internet is choosing to torture me in such a way but I keep seeing slowed down gifs of that exact moment where uh, Wanda you know tears Professor X's face in half and uh, I figured out how they got away with it hmm. a bunch of red smoke comes out of his bottom face hole so that's how they can make it it's not gore it's just red smoke hooray no, but but that happened in his mind. Yep. Because, like, when you see the body, it's just, you know. He, yeah, he just goes, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, so at least it didn't turn into a font of blood or something. So that's a plus. Yeah, we only get one really gross death. Or no, sorry, two really gross deaths. And then, uh, yeah, I saw. I don't want to talk about Doctor Strange for this entire thing. We're supposed to be talking about. Uh, Miss Marvel, but I uh, read an article uh, with the effects supervisor. It was an interview with the effects supervisor from ILM, and he was talking about how they did the Mr. Fantastic scene in uh, Multiverse of Madness, mm -hmm. and they literally were like, oh, yeah, they, they, the, one, the, one of the effects artists just sent me a bunch of images of, of Play-Doh. You know that one where you used to like uh, have like the Play-Doh that came out of the person's hair, and you would cut their hair? And so we just kind of we modeled it after that. Well, uh, successful job. Yeah, good job. It was real mm -hmm. gross and disturbing, and I still think about this to, to this day. So thanks a lot, uh, Multiverse of Madness. I will never be able to sleep properly again. Uh, <laughs> but at least, uh, Miss Marvel, the cheeriness, the colors, the exuberance, uh, the joie de vivre of uh, Miss Marvel really uh, at least helps ease my scarred brain from watching Multiverse of Madness. Yep. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I think that the... What do you... So now they've introduced mutants, of, uh, like, officially, and they've done it in a way that I think no one really expected. Nope. Um, does that make Miss Marvel the MCU's version of armor? I think that is uh, those abilities, and I... Did something that I normally did. I don't do. I read a AMA with Amon Villani on Reddit, okay. and uh, you know, just to kind of see what it was because it was presented as hot on Reddit. Very cool. Like, very uh, very good research for the pod. Yep. I yep. just want to applaud your your extra step. Thank you, thank you. And they said that the representation of her powers were inspired by armor. 
uh, specifically okay. that character. Yeah. That makes sense. And so it really makes sense with the final episode when she does the Embiggen reference, which is, of course, a reference to the comics. But mm-hmm. then the, she she kind of has a... Uh, kind of looks like she has like elongated arms and legs, but it's more like a, a hard light mech suit that she creates. Yeah, like there's one point where you see her, she's definitely taller than she normally is, but you can see her, you know, like her fist residing closer to the elbows of the in state than necessarily mm-hmm. whatever which i think is you know fine compromises happy to get an embiggen uh yeah for a while i thought we weren't going to get that but it did immediately when i saw that whole like final note it's like oh it's like armor and then getting that confirmation it's like oh shit okay that's cool because you don't necessarily need to bring that character along into this oh her- certainly not And I think that they did a great job transforming those that influence into something that actually looks good. Mm -hmm. Because no offense to the the folks who designed armor in the comics, but I always found her armor to be really disappointing. Like really, like the fact it was like just a weird sort of featureless bubble that was kind of translucent red, and it always looked like from a silhouette perspective, it always looked really garbage. Yeah, it, it not memorable enough to be like, this is cool. You know, like, oh, that looks neat. Or even having it be inspired by, you know, some form of popular culture. Or like, you know, it's like a hard light manga outfit or anything. You know, like manga, like something. robot suit or something. Give us something. Or it changes kind of depending on what, you know, she is interested in. No, it's just kind of like, you know, it's just like a, a amorphous juggernaut outfit. Yeah, it's like was really reminded me of like early CG when they only had like spheroids that they could jam together to make characters <laughs> and stuff, uh, and it, like that was the the result is just it's just a bunch of spheroids jammed against you. And then, I think they had horns that, that were like the only pointy bit to it. Anyway, any time I saw it in the comics, I would be like, "Oh, you guys could do better. Oh, this could be better." <laughs> I just. It always hit me the wrong way, and I definitely like the the faceted crystalline power, uh, the way they represented it in the show. And I think you know, I, it's obviously didn't have like a super big budget, but I thought they did a really great job with what they had. Yeah, they you could definitely tell where they saved it for. Um, yeah, but, yeah, there's yeah. some early representations of it where like, oh boy, oh no, oh yeah. that looks like a crystal pancake, and I in the worst way possible. Uh, I mean, at least on one side, though, the one thing you know they didn't uh, they didn't save any money on was the soundtrack. This is probably the most provocative, inspiring soundtrack I've heard from Marvel in a long time. Yeah, they don't uh, usually have. You know what was funny? And sorry to interrupt you, but do, no. you, do you you know what was funny was uh, the when they kind of transitioned from the traditional soundtrack of the, and I don't mean traditional in some other way, only traditional in like what they established was the status quo soundtrack for the series when they transitioned when they transitioned from that to a marvel-esque sort of uh horns and and you know brass instrument style uh symphonic uh, uh, theme song mm-hmm. it was worse almost always i was like go back to the original stuff you guys you were doing great yeah, just just go full. Don't you don't have to bring back the original or the the standard fare. Just yeah, have fun just with like it. a generic Marvel theme that's instantly forgettable. Like almost all of them. 
uh, I was like, oh, okay. What, where's the, like, I was expecting the cultural influences and the, you know, Pakistani style of music or Indian style of music or anything from the Middle East, <laughs> anything at any point. And then they're just like, nah, it's just going to be horns and, and stuff. It's going to be like any, it's going to be like Captain America or any other uh, Marvel movie you've seen. It's fine. Oh, boo. Yeah. Yeah. Because up until that point, I was like, damn, this is really, this is really good. I have really, this has a recognizable and iconic vibe that I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I was, bop, it was bopping and, uh, you know, at work people would have like the uh, spoiler threads that people could talk about it, but people were mm -hmm. linking like uh, Spotify playlist to the episodes and stuff. And it was just like really cool being able to say oh shit there's a bunch of music that i would have never listened to otherwise or you know i'm definitely stuck in my old uh 80s mid 90s curmudgeon wave that that's when music was music and everything else is garbage but in this instance getting like access to it was like oh man this is this is beyond baller and something i always look forward to seeing how they were going to integrate like episode after episode yeah i think that's one of the, 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 I think the most sort of uh, relatable criticisms I hear uh, leveled towards Marvel movies is just the lack of a recognizable soundtrack. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things about early superhero movies that were so iconic was that they have these stings and these motifs that wherever you hear them, you instantly think about the source material. Uh, you know, uh, the 1989 Batman Oh, yeah. uh, has like a sting that whenever you hear it, you instantly think of that movie. Same thing with Superman. And then Marvel took a different track where they were like, the the music can be sort of this emotionally informing, bombastic background noise that isn't really memorable. Like, sure, the uh, the Avengers have a musical motif that is a little bit memorable, and maybe to a lesser extent, Captain America has a motif that is a little bit memorable. But if you ask me to do it right now, I don't know if I could. <laughs> yeah, you would you need to listen to it and you'd be like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, uh, those two. And then obviously like the, dun, 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 you know, the start of the Marvel logo. Yeah, they spend some time on that. At least I, re I recognize that to the point where whenever I hear it, I am excited. But you know it's scary that when most of the time the most memorable sting that you hear in it is like the X-Men theme song. You know what I mean? Like when they play that, you're like, oh, X-Men. They don't yep. really have, you know, it's so rare, like except when you get that Avengers, you're like, okay. But it's not nearly as moving or as provocative as other, you know, superhero movies. To your point, Danny yeah. Elfman's anything is way more memorable than most of the marble music yeah you know, music. not to go back to uh, multiverse of madness again but he did the score for that and there was plenty of points where you're just like they there was just like a guitar part it was like a doctor strange theme of guitar and you're like what this is awesome <laughs> and you're like oh wait no i miss like intentional well-crafted music you know not to say like this is not to to bemoan or uh, belittle any of the things that the very talented composers have come up for uh, the Marvel Universe is just like 
I think it's a fairly... I don't think in like 10 years people are going to be humming anything from Ant-Man, is all I'm saying. Who? Who? <laughs> yeah. You know Scott Lang, Ant-Man? Never heard of him. No. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that's... And I, I feel like that really is by design. Um, yes. I don't think it is something that they're necessarily lacking on. It definitely seems like, okay, we can just get away with not spending as much time or money on this part but now it's kind of enjoyable when it is something that's memorable like you watch ragnarok and you hear like though it's not original soundtrack music it's other people's music it's so refreshing to hear yeah, a lot of fun needle drops in that one exactly and i would you know like that makes it more memorable and then same with this one you know it just was so unique and sounded cool and again it was a blending of cultures which i really appreciate and, you know, it's something that was a lot more like, okay, I want to seek it out versus, you know, the standard fare. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, how did you feel about how she finally got her costume? I I just want to say before we get into it that I, you've heard it many times on this podcast before. I am over the hero gets their costume at the end trope. Uh, I didn't mind it as much in this one because I think, like, the time box like everything felt very compressed in terms of how long like the actual timeline of when the series takes place but uh i would be interested to hear what you thought of the the fact that and if in case you're wondering out there her mom you know they they reconcile despite their differences despite their fights early in the series and her mom gifts her with her uh sort of marvel appropriate superhero outfit yeah i loved it uh, mm -hmm. just there's just the short answer i loved it i love the fact that this wasn't a family uh the 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 bigger trope that i dislike is i'm a hero and i can't let my family know and you know sometimes you just like you know what maybe you should lean on some friends or you should lean on this and that's exactly what this was and it being her mom the person that she was you know kind of up in arms against and they weren't seeing eye to eye because she felt like she couldn't you know tell her mom or whatever because it would just be another thing she'd be disappointed about the fact that it was her mom who made the outfit uh taking into parts of things that she gathered through her adventures through each of the episodes i thought was really like touching i even like the fact that it was it came in the same box toffee box that the bangle came in from episode mm -hmm. one and then we now understand that connection to toffee you know and like that's, you know, another layer of love in there. And so while I'm with you and kind of ends, it's like, just give the hero the costume already. Maybe reverse tell the story. Like you could have had her tell the story while she was sitting on top of the lamppost. <laughs> yeah, and so that way, <laughs> right. you know, and then we could have got that's the costume. That's actually a really good note. You know, then we could have got the story early, but like in costume and stuff like that and just going through it. But I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought that was really touching. Yeah, I initially I was like, oh boy, like because the suit the the outfit is clearly made by like my initial impression was like, oh, did she go to like that I forget the company's name, but the company in LA that makes all the the superhero outfits. Yeah, like uh, Ironhead Studios or something. Yeah, like Ironhead exactly. or Ironworks did, did she, or something. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Did she contact them and it was like, make my daughter a super suit? 
but uh, it didn't end up like f- feeling that way when uh, when you get into the it, it feels like the, I think there is it is simple enough to where you you buy it because it doesn't have as much like high tech or like high it is like it is just on the edge of believable right because it doesn't have like the, the complex construction where you would you would have to assume that this is like a co- a company that makes costumes could only have made this it has it is like from a silhouette and material perspective it is simple enough to where you totally buy it i think in the in the uh, final result uh so i think it ends up working but i i was initially concerned when they were cuz when she brings in that box I was like, oh boy. Although I thought it, from a series writing standpoint, I thought it was great because they have that whole like she makes the the Hulk and little mm-hmm. and little Hulk yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, outfits when when she finds out Kamala is going to go to that convention, and I thought that that was a nice callback to that because you can uh, instantly. You can instantly sense Kamala's res- uh, like uh, worry that there is that this is going to be a repeat of that same scenario, but it ends up being a very like well fitted and v- truly awesome uh, super suit that is a great callback to her uh, her comic look. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I was a little bit worried. Like I was a little, I was ready to cringe when that scene started, but at the by the end, I was totally bought in. Yeah, no, I was just like that. This, if you're gonna do it this way, it's this way. Versus all of a sudden she pulls out the sewing machine, sews it herself, or that's the thing too that I thought too is like you can't give this too much guff because in many versions of Spider-Man he makes his own suit, and that is ridiculous. Well, I'll just give you one forward. There's many times in the comic book Daredevil sews his own costume. Hmm. <laughs> I don't want to have, I'm not going to leave that one alone. Exactly. So, you know, in this instance, having someone who showed that they sewed, it being so faithful to the, you know, while still being an MCU-ified version of her costume, I thought it was great. The fact, again, it, it brought in a bunch of those things that her family, in a way, helped construct that suit. And not just by her mom sewing it, but... You know, the uh, I think it was like the necklace kind of forming that S to Bruno creating her mask to, you know, her grandmother sending her the, you know, the ba- like everything tied into that outfit. Like her support network was yeah. what helped make that. And that's one of the great things about the show is that it is truly Kamala's growth and her the the superhero that she turns into is clearly from different parts of her community in a way that is it's like a collaborative community way to like generate your ideals and your scruples as a hero. Mm-hmm. Uh she gets like a a pep talk from Sikh Abdullah who is a just a fantastic character yeah. uh played by uh Laith uh Nakli. Sorry mm-hmm. again if that is not the way you pronounce your name, uh, I tried my best, but uh, if you want to write, if you want to be a guest on the show to correct me, I wouldn't say no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he was great. I really loved his uh, his character and the way that like her mom orders her costume, you know, sewed by someone else, 
but it is like it is still her design that it incorporates all of these like uh, mementos from her experience, like you said. And then her dad uh, bestows upon her the name in a way that I thought was could easily have been like like um, like the moment in Solo, right where. He's like, oh, you're by yourself? You're solo. And he's like, yeah, I'm Han Solo, see? Meh. Like, it could have been that moment. Yeah, it could have uh, been crazy. But, it like, the way they integrate it with uh, the language and uh, what, like, how he feels about her throughout the entire show, because uh, her father, Yusuf, is, like, very supportive, and he's played by Mohan Kapoor. Um, and, uh, the way that that sort of dovetails into his personality, I thought was very authentic. It felt totally earned. I didn't question it for a second. Yeah. And then it, it's kind of like that manifest destiny that she's so enthralled with Captain Marvel to find out that that's what her name, you know, like name means or could be interpreted as, you know, it's it's like. It's it's the difference between what Hindi and Urdu, the yeah. different uh, languages, and it's like it means something slightly different in both, and uh, it can mean uh, something close to or or a synonym for Marvel, and then uh, and then he says it, and our I, little Miss Marvel. You know, I love it, and then the, her getting that, like, oh my God, it's all finally true, after all this stuff, the things I've proved to be a hero, but now they kind of have this. And then even that scene where she takes off to go patrol or do what she was doing, and you can just see, and he's like, it's just magical. And just mm-hmm. kind of see the image of her moving away. It was so, like, heartwarming and touching. Like, it was just something that was, like, I didn't realize I needed as bad as I did until watching it. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And I think that having as it may have delved into the sort of tired Marvel tropes when it comes to the villain and having them have the same power set or he wasn't really a villain as much as the person she kind of faced off with uh, in the final moments, including, you know, him and uh, damage control Comron and damage control, I should say. Uh, But uh, I really thought um, the way that they, I really thought that the way that they presented the familial relationship was different than you usually get in Marvel. You know, usually somebody has a problem with their parent or, you know, uh, Iron Man has daddy issues and everyone's Mm. got daddy issues in the, in the Marvel universe, but uh, showing a hero that has a supportive family structure that even when they find out she's a hero, instead of like, you know, while initially being kind of concerned they are here to support her and, and, you know, do whatever they can to help a hundred percent felt great. I mean, we get kind of some of that in Marvel or sorry, in Spider-Man and Aunt May in this, uh, the MCU version anyway, but I thought that that was just such a, such a, a nice change from what we've seen before. And, uh, it felt totally earned and believable, I think in the context of the series. Yep, I agree. It was just one of those things where you're just like, thank you. It does. Uh, sometimes a hero doesn't need to be born out of 
adversity, you can show that a hero can be born out of environment too. And in this instance, you know, a positive environment. Um, yeah. Cause they're like, Oh, do you know, don't go out there and be a hero. And she's like, well, I think you taught me that you, uh, if you have this kind of power, you don't just do nothing. You don't do help when people need your help. And their response is kind of like, okay, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> good point. I would, I don't want to, like you, you, I trust you and you have the power to help people go out there and help people. Yeah. I was going to be a hypocrite. Then you pointed that out to me and I know it. And the fact that she is supported by her community too. There are issues. I think that the, it's overloaded with villains. I think the final fight is contrived a little bit and could have been done better. I wish we had spent more, if we were going to make Najma like the main antagonist sort of, I wish we had spent more time with her. And so her sacrifice for her son would have meant more. Like, I think with the little time we got, like the, the, her sacrifice and then Kamran's, uh, reaction to it feels unearned, but like you, again, but then you have like this perfect villain in damage control, which are these just like heartless, uh, bureaucrats who are, are just sort of trying to, uh, who is view everyone as enemies regardless of the context and i think that is really an interesting place to explore especially in this day and age and i say that even though like this day and age is what i'm talking about like spans a decade right or more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh it, not like it's a new issue but i think that that's like a very good very like solid villain especially uh in the context of the show so uh, you know, a, a little more focus might have been good. They had problems. A lot of these series, none of these series, I don't think have have been perfect. They've all had their issues, but uh, I think when taken as a whole, this is like a really fantastic representation of this character. Who that I'm very glad that Marvel did, and I can't wait to see uh what they do with next now here's my question for you we already talked a little bit about the after credit scene mm-hmm. uh i think the after credit scene is a little overshadowed by the fact that right before that they they reveal the presence of mutants in the marvel in the mcu which seems like a tectonic shift like we knew it was coming but to see it confirmed was like really blew me away and i had no idea it was coming Mm-hmm. Uh, so the appearance of Captain Marvel at the end, sort of swapping place or not sort of a hundred percent swapping places, like you said, Negaband style, uh, with, uh, Kamala is a big deal, but it set, certainly hit different with the, uh, the thing before it. So I wanted to say, I wanted to ask you actually, what do you think about her next outing being the Marvels? Because I have some thoughts about this. Uh, I mean, I just think it just, we know the Marvels is coming next year, so it makes sense to put her in place for that instead Mm -hmm. of just, you know, trying to spend 20 or 30 minutes of getting her involved into the Marvels movie some way or the other, or like who the focus is going to be, since this will be kind of like an ensemble film anyway. Um with Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, and her, I imagine, will all be in it. I think it's a good way that, yeah, it's just, I mean, I haven't read anything. I'm just assuming 
so the that's spoiler alert. <laughs> well you know so that set piece or that chess piece is in play versus doing another uh season of it before that happens mm-hmm. um it just because all their shows seem to do is just layer out layer in the next few movies or expectations so i i don't mind it it is what it is yeah i think that's a good way to look at it i think obviously they set it up to be this way so i don't like i can't really have a problem with what they're planning because i've never i haven't seen the marvels and i'm sure it's going to be great uh and certainly they're kind of hitting on something with the fact that all these different characters have like the same moniker (laughs) they've all kind of shared the same name or at least part of the same name in the comics so i i understand them delving into that part of it but i have to say like after seeing this i kind of want it to be just like a a smaller movie i want to see more of kamala i want to see like having it be an ensemble makes me kind of sad because i i wish that it was like a movie about kamala where maybe you start to introduce the 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 plot threads of the young avengers like have kamala team up with spider-man they're both in the same place they're both doing sort of the same street level work Mm -hmm. you know makes have spider-man come around and be like her tony stark and then you know at the end of the movie you introduce uh you know you maybe halfway through the movie you introduce uh kate bishop and then in the end, you introduce the Sam Alexander Nova and maybe Wiccan or Hulkling or something, uh, tie it into Secret War. Like, have, uh, if you don't know out there, Hulkling is like uh, related to the Scrolls. So it would make sense in, you know, terms of what, what they might be doing with the series. But uh, I kind of wish it was just like they kind of focused on on these younger heroes doing sort of teaming up like they did in the comics. I think it would be really cool. I, I'm i sure the Marvels will be cool and they'll be going and doing some cool cosmic stuff, but I would love to see them sort of get their own spotlight. And maybe that's in the future, but I don't know. No, I think that's what we're getting. I think everything is setting up to establishing these newer, younger teams, and this is no different. I just think that you know, they were always planning on doing a Captain Marvel 2. Might as well just involve all the Marvels in one yeah, kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So then that way they're just all kind of out there. So, you know, we get Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel, and Photon, or, you know, whatever the name. Other Captain Marvel. <laughs> Other Captain Marvel. You know, where it's just kind of like, you know, same thing as there's Spider-Man or, you know, Spider-Man, whether it's Miles or Peter, they're both Spider-Man type of thing. And we'll get there. Um, we'll see what, you know, Miss Marvel brings. I was fucking shocked when I went to see Thor yesterday and they had an ad, like a, just an ad for the next Black Panther movie that's coming out this November. And I'm like, they've showed nothing or announced nothing. Yeah, that's what they did with Thor, too. They waited super long to do any of the trailers, and I'm not sure what the... I'm. Do you think it's just they're finishing their movies much later these days? I Well, so I feel like with... I think so, because, I mean, we've heard news that, you know, a lot of VFX houses are, like, saying, man, this is a lot of work. 
you know, yeah. like we're doing a lot more work than we're used to. And like the conditions are kind of rough and stuff. So I can see that there being a level of fatigue there, but also with, you know, black Panther with Wakanda forever, I think it's because they're trying to, you know, steer around, you know, Chadwick Boseman's passing that they don't want people to speculate on how they're focusing on it or what they did. So I think they're just more like, you'll just go see it and you'll see what we did versus have people be like, they did that, fuck this, or, you know, get really mad or upset. So the closer they could do it. That being said, next weekend is uh, San Diego Comic-Con. So So we'll probably find out. Either then or D23 is coming up relatively soon too. So I think one way or the other, we're going to get something in the next few weeks. Uh, Yeah, you're probably right about that. Yeah, there's no good way out of that, right? There's no like they want they already plan on doing a Black Panther 2. Chadwick Boseman sadly passed and they were like full steam ahead. Yeah, we have to do it and if we're going to do it without him it means we're going to have to pivot and figure out what those changes are and does someone take up the mantle? Does anyone not take up the mantle? Do we recast them? You know, there's a, probably a lot of reconsiderations they had to do for it. And it's no easy task. And it's very, you know, it's very gloom when you think about it. So mm-hmm. it's just like, let's see what that was. Let's see how they had to do it. But they're like, we're going to wait until the very tail end before we show all that stuff off. I wish they didn't. I wish they kind of just showed confidence in their decision and they said hey this is what we're doing put it out there if you don't like it don't show up but this is the this is the choice we made we're not gonna just keep it under in our of our sleeve for as long as humanly possible i'd say like put out that uh, black panther trailer last year before they do done any principal shooting or you know the year before just be like uh, that way you forgot about it by the time it comes out That'd be a good way to do it. It's already out there. Be like, we have nothing to hide. We showed that shit before we even did all the CGI and effects into it. We, yep. we showed you the rawest to the raw. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I was like, overall, the direction that they're kind of doing with this phase four and Miss Marvel was a big treat. I was happy to have it. More so than I was originally going into it, because when I saw that stuff, I was like, eh. But then when I watched it, I was like, holy mm-hmm. shit, okay, this is cool. I'm for it. Yeah, and I think that, that a lot of that has to do with how well they cast, how good act, how good of actors all these people are, and how well, how good of chemistry that they had during the actual show itself. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just a, it's a delight to watch because everybody... You believe it instantly. Like that family, Kamala's family is so believable. Every actor who is in that family, they, the way, the chemistry that they have with each other seems like they're related. And I believe it instantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In a way that's not always the case. And you just have to give it up for the casting and the acting and the the writing as, le- as, as, as at least as far as the the familial relationships is, are concerned. And even the community relationships were so well done that it just it pulls you in instantly and it, it keeps you in, entranced for the entire run of the series. And I think even with its flaws, it is one that I really enjoyed and I thought was good. 
Ditto, ditto. With all that being said, should we rank them real quickly? Yeah, let's off the dome. I didn't really even give this much thought, to be honest, even though that this is something that I suggest. <laughs> it is, it is, but um, no, no one through whatever fanfare. We'll just kind of go through it. You want to go through mm-hmm. your list? Or you want me to go through mine? And you can go whatever. Uh, let's or see. You well, just why don't go you back and forth? Uh, let's go okay. back and forth. How? Okay. How? Uh, yeah, go ahead. What is your so, top number? Whatever, however many in the series there. <laughs> so there should be seven. Right. Um, I will go here. Are so, we are we including the Netflix series no, of this? No. Okay. Good. No. Only MCU specifically done stuff. Disney Plus shows. Okay. That's what I'm focusing on Disney Plus produced shows. Because okay. if I had to include Daredevil and Punisher and Jessica Jones, that would it make gets this complex. List. It, it gets, gets real complex real quickly. Yeah. So there are seven shows, uh, just for the folks at home. That's WandaVision, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, What If, Loki, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, and Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are the seven that, and uh, August is uh, She Hulk comes out. And hopefully that'll be yep. fun. But Looking forward to that one. Uh, so what's your number seven? My number seven is WandaVision. WandaVision. Interesting. WandaVision, huh? Yeah, I thought it started really strong. Um, it was a really cool, almost whodunit, puzzling, trying to figure out where it was going. But then I really, the more I got to sit with it and think about it, it really felt like it petered out towards the end um, to something that wasn't very... It wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like, I also kind of rated this on would I rewatch them again? Mm. And this one was like, I don't need to rewatch WandaVision. I'd be okay. Yeah, understandable. Uh, my number seven is What If. I think What If was uh, very uneven. There was a lot of really great episodes, and there was some that I don't really care about. So uh, my number seven is What If. All right, what's your number six? Ah, number six. Number six. Great question. I think I am going to go with. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I think I'm going to probably go with WandaVision. Right. I think uh, I agree with you. I think WandaVision was, has one of the strongest first, like, three or four episodes of yeah. TV history. I think uh, it is incredible, but I agree it sort of devolves into what the same uh criticism we had for this show it ends with the same people with the same powers that have different colors shooting at each other mm-hmm. and uh i think that that's kind of lame um so yeah i think it, the the mysteries of wandavision intrigued me more than the realities of wandavision so that is uh that it will be my number six what about you loki is my number six mm-hmm. i thought it was wonderfully acted it was really dope to see tom hiddleston and you know the variants of loki and kind of that introduction and i think that's very important but again to the grand scheme of things where i thought it was going to be a lot more important it felt like it it fizzled out and let the movies do the heavy lifting with it like you know when they rip open the timeline and i'm waiting to see the impact of that and i don't and it said i see it represented between spider-man for some reason and a multiverse of madness you know i kind of see that heavy lifting i was just like yeah i enjoyed it i might go back and rewatch it but it'd be a long while that i would so that was my interesting 
Yeah, it's number six. Okay, so what's your number five? So my number five is Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed Hawkeye. I think it it was just fun, but I don't know what it furthers along. But I was really happy to get the introduction of Kate Bishop. So, and it it was nice to have a like a buddy cop comedy within the uh, uh, MCU in one way or the other. That makes sense. Uh, that's right. My number. <laughs> That's hard. Holy shit. <laughs> that's our, oh. that's our same, oh. uh, same number seven. Oh. My number five is uh, Hawkeye as well. Oh, no, that is not a good one. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sound. I normally go with. That's better. I did not have that in my soundboard. So yeah, instead you, you got. Jeez. <laughs> so loud. It's so loud. So for the same reasons as I, other reasons? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I thought it was great. I think uh, Kate Bishop is a a total delight. Um, uh, But pretty much for the same reasons you said that it it lands at number five for me. All right. That's your number five. What you doing for number four? Number four. This is where things start to get interesting. Uh, number four, I am going to say is Moon Knight. Okay. Okay. Moon. I really loved Moon Knight. I thought that it, I think Os- uh, Oscar Isaac's performance was uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, I love Moon Knight as a character. I love when they, they made him stronger and more superpowered, which I'm 100% for because I always wish that Moon Knight had superpowers in the comics. And uh, I really love the afterlife stuff and the spiritualism and the sort of uh, weird, uh, not weird, but the sort of uh, the the supernatural elements of Foon Knight. Uh, <laughs> what Moon am Knight. I talking about? Moon Knight, Spoon Knight, of course, uh, <laughs> the great uh, come together with your spoons um uh just loved uh loved moon knight and uh i just it was carried along by oscar isaac's incredible performance i would watch seven seasons of moon knight uh easily uh so that gets my number four how about you yeah my number four is what if what if ah, um too high no <laughs> <laughs> That's where I disagree with you. I think I liked, I forgive the variances between the episodes, just given the fact that it is what if. Um, mm-hmm. But I enjoy the fantastical nature, and I think they brought me some really fun episodes. I really enjoyed it. has some high highs, and but the lows are the lo- forgettable. The best part about the lows is I don't have to watch them, and they don't impact anything. So. That's fair. To me, I can watch my favorites, and it's fine, because if it doesn't exist, it doesn't really break continuity. You know what I mean? So it, I think it, for me, it's pluses are the fact that it's just outside of the normal zone, that whatever they do doesn't make me go, oh, my God, that would never happen, because this is asking the question, what if? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. My... Yeah, now 
my number. On to your number three. Yes. Now, my number three is Moon Knight. Ah, um, pretty close. Pretty close. Um, for, again, a lot of the reasons you said, but I, it edged out what if to me and the other ones because I would watch it again, if anything, to re-examine what I might have missed, like to try to mm-hmm. pick up on stuff that I missed. And Oscar Isaac's performance was just uh, spectacular. And it Truly. was, yeah, and it was with a, a character I love changes, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but I'm willing to go with how it was performed versus that, you know, look, I know Elizabeth Olsen at this point. I know Tom Hiddleston. I know they can act their butts off. So they can hang out there, but to get this was uh, new, different, and again, a hero that I would have never pictured getting the light of day in live action. So. Absolutely. Didn't didn't it also feel like you were getting something naughty? Like you're like, yeah. uh, the Oscar Isaac is too good for the Marvel universe. <laughs> so you're like, oh, I feel like I shouldn't be. This is weird. This is, I feel like I shouldn't be like so privileged to see this like awesome thing every week. Yeah, I shouldn't get to enjoy this. Um, yep, it, it shouldn't be. It seems like who who of what of Oscar Isaac's family are they holding hostage? <laughs> Whomst, whomst do I need to talk to? <laughs> yeah, who must I rescue? No, it was just, uh, you know, again, it was just something different, and I was all for it. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my number three is gotta be what we just talked about, uh, Miss Marvel. Hey, that's right, Miss Marvel soaring into my heart and into the top three. Everyone in the top three is a winner, and so is Miss Marvel. Uh, great. I, I thought it was a great uh, the way they they changed the the powers. What I think was really fun, as we talked about this entire time, the acting was incredible, and uh, the um, the the familial relationships and the, that whole family drama part was really satisfying and avoided a lot of like family tropes that we've seen in the Marvel universe so far, and. Uh, uh, you know, the, uh, titular, uh, Miss Marvel was, uh, was just such a delight and, uh, and I'm just a big fan. So, uh, number one, uh, not number one, number three in the top three, uh, Miss Marvel for sure. Awesome. Awesome. So now yeah. we're down to number two. Yes, Is it my turn are. again? Yeah. Technically it's you two. Then I go to then one or whatever. I don't remember. Okay. Do this. Well. I think that that you we did seven first, and that's an odd number, so that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so let's slide on into number two. Uh, number two for me was not a number two, but ex- <laughs> and, uh, not in the way that colloquial gets thrown around. But uh, uh, silver medal for me goes to Loki. I agree with your criticisms, uh, but I think that the that show had a weird 70s vibe to it that i really loved i really loved all the different you know the the time agency that they introduced i loved uh owen wilson i thought he was an incredible uh, he put it in an incredible performance in that series and that more than almost any of the other series on this list i was just uh waiting for uh, their premiere dates just to figure out what could possibly happen next in this insane story 
And of course it had to, I think the ways that it did suffer was the ways that it was beholden to the larger story that Marvel was trying to tell, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, there was just too many high points for that show. And from an art direction's aesthetic standpoint, it is the most visually arresting, unique, and tightly designed series that they've done to date. So that is my number two. How about you, John? So my number two is going to be very shocking, I think, uh, for a lot. For me, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Wow. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. This is a, you know, people have something in their perceived mind's eye of who Captain America is, and they will not recognize or acknowledge Anthony Mackie or, by extension, the character they play, Sam Wilson, as Captain America. They will not be able to say it. They'll call him Captain Falcon. They'll do anything other than acknowledge the position, the role he is. And, you know, like anything... The role isn't who, who is playing it. It isn't Steve Rogers. Ro Steve Rogers is not Captain America. Captain American is an ideal. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. He just embodies what we would imagine a Captain America should embody. Same as Sam Wilson. There's no difference. But that is going to be the thing that they're going to focus on. And that'll be the bit that we will get through these movies. And I just, and I understand it. It is paramount to that character, but I think we need to, and this is just me. We need to be able to kind of sometimes show some warmth and, and soul towards something. And while it had that in its own way and its own familiar bonds and stuff, just being able to see what my number one is, spoiler, spoiler, is Miss Marvel currently, is because I loved the supportive family dynamic, taking a culture and colorizing it and not hiding it behind that, you know, frankly, racist sepia tone bullshit that we'd get through Hollywood or demonizing a culture. It just celebrated it. So... I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't hard default you with that. I think for me, the some of the story things came up, and it didn't. It kept it out of the top two, but still, an incredible series and an incredible adaptation of that character. Uh, of course, uh, well, I mean, it's no surprise now because we've eliminated all the other ones. But my number one is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, I don't know. It is the it. Out of all the Captain America movies, and uh, aside from perhaps uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier, Falcon and the Winter Soldier continued that trend while just seeming like an amazing Brubaker run of the Captain America comics. And yes, yes. Uh, I love the chemistry between Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. Uh, I thought that it was just so authentically Captain America. Every single episode felt like a Captain America story. And uh, the thing is, like, Anthony Mackie, a.k.a. the Falcon, was given the shield and is Captain America now. 
and uh, he didn't need to earn it during that series, but boy, howdy did he. Uh, he became authentically Captain America by the end of that series, and that was the purpose of it, right? It was to, to show his journey from being a reluctant uh, acceptance of this symbol and all the baggage that it carried with it to embodying what it means to be a Captain America. And uh, uh, it is just... It, it, I look... Uh, there are problems with that series that I think that are worth acknowledging. There are, I think that the flag smashers ended up being sort of a, a trite villain, but I think the way that they used us agent, another character I grew up with was very effective and, uh, and aided in the ultimate sort of showing what a toxic Captain America could be like and what, and contrasting that between uh, against what a real, what Captain America is supposed to represent, I thought was very effective. Uh, so that gets my numero uno still on the top, but you know, who knows? Could be dethroned depending on how my uh, my feelings evolve on these series. This is just uh, you know how we're feeling about it right now. Who knows mm-hmm. what where it'll go? But uh, in the top three for both of us uh, is both Captain Marvel and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I'd say they're in good company. I think so. Absolutely. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. We've talked at length. Yeah, I mean, who knows how, how much of this will get cut down to. But we're almost at three hours. and But uh, we had a lot to say about this really cool show. And... Uh, and I'm glad that uh, we talked about it. Uh, and I think that it's just it's fun to celebrate such a great new addition to the Marvel Universe. And uh, I know a lot of people out there are saying, oh, aren't you sick of superheroes already? But if we get this like this much new, different, cool stuff, then no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I would take a billion more shows like this as long as it's not the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, you give me representation, you give me heroes that I could have only ever just dreamed of them being in the movies or TV shows, and it's just enjoyable moments, why would I want that? You know, like, why would I want to be like, oh, no more, let me push this steak away and let me eat more of these mushy peas, because I love (laughs) peas with mint in it for some reason. Get the F out of here. (laughs) Going back to that well. Yeah. Like that's becoming a running theme on Pop Saga. This is our disdain for mushy peas. Gross. Come at us, Great Britain. Yeah, come. Yeah, please, please. I'll show you how peas are really meant to taste. But mint in them. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right, though. This is. Uh, it's just like it's a fun time to be a fan of uh, comics and and comic themes, and so. Miss Marvel gets a, a double thumbs up from Pop Saga. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go out there and check it out. Uh, hopefully you didn't listen to this entire episode and get everything ruined for you. Because there's a lot of fun surprises uh, in there if you let yourself be surprised. Uh, but uh, I would say hearty recommendations all around from the Pop Saga crew. Yeah, 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 yeah. Indeed. Uh, so take it away, Hard Light Forest. <laughs> A big thank you to Burton M6 for all the incredible music on our show. You can find a link to his Fiverr page in our show notes. 
You can also find links to our social media, Discord, and merch store in our show notes as well. Just click that Pico link. From us here at Pop Saga to all of you out there, we want to say thank you for joining us. Your support means the world. We hope that you're feeling happy and healthy, and we'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. Now here's John with one last bit of sage advice before we say goodbye. Thanks, Hardlight Forest. Remember, folks, make sure you hug your family close. Enjoy their time. Enjoy their company, because you never know who's going to sew your super suit. Thank you for tuning in to all my super fans. Hope you coming back again. Got a shout out to Fresca. I know you riding with me as we pull up in the Hyundai Daily City. <laughs> you want the hype? I got you. Gotta keep it locked right here on Pop Saga. Woo! Pop Saga, let's go. <laughs>